Another episode of TKW Draft Season, a draft mini series presented by the Knicks Wall Podcast, which is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Make sure you're following Blue Wire at Blue Wire, dot Blue Wire on Twitter. Make sure you're following the Knicks Wall at the Knicks Wall on Twitter. And make sure you're following my co hosts first. As usual, the Queen of Flex, <laughs> J Ryan44 on Twitter. Jess Reinhardt. Jess, how you doing? What's up, man? How we doing? Good. Getting. I'm starting to get settled in this quarantine life, so doing yeah, a little better. Yeah, trying to. Going a little stir crazy. Yeah, it's getting crazy. Also joining me back, he was with us for the pilot episode. I'm going to butcher your last name, so I'm not even going to say it. Nick, you're going to say your last name when I say it, but follow him at not the underscore the underscore fake NC underscore in between all those words. Nick. Karen Anti. Karen Anti. There we go. Yeah, make sure you follow Nick on Twitter. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Not bad. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Happy to talk about some of my favorite prospects in this draft. So, yeah, we're actually gonna get to probably. I would say, would it? Would he say he's your favorite prospect in this draft? Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. Pretty clearly for me. All right. So before we get there, we have probably Jess's favorite player in the draft, even though she won't admit it because. <laughs> She's impartial, but Jess, Washington's Isaiah Stewart. I I don't know. I, I don't know if I can, I'm counting myself impartial anymore because I did uh, tweet out today that I was formally committing to whatever team drafts him. So, okay. uh, well, there you it know. is. Uh, man, I had a, you know, got a little misty-eyed when he announced. I knew it was happening, but then you see it happen and just – yeah, I'm all for it. So for those not familiar, Washington's power forward, Isaiah Stewart, declared for the draft. He's projected to go in the mid-first round. I still think he's a talented player. I still think he's better than Jaden McDaniels. But is there any one team? I know we said this last week, but is have you changed on any team? Now that he's officially in, rather. Any team that you definitely want Zay to go to? I mean, I think it was – was it Vicini's draft board that had him go to the Bucks? There was yeah, a recent one that had him go into the Bucks, and my eyes lit up at that. I mean, why not play behind slash next to the Greek freak? Come on. That'd be – That'd That'd be good for them because yeah. – I don't know if they have that many good rebounders beside Giannis on that team. And the way that they play defense, like I think would fit the concerns that some people have about Isaiah and just like in his mobility and stuff. Um, Shoot. I'll move to Milwaukee. I don't care. (laughs) When uh, earlier in the season, when it got someone had him going to Atlanta I think I texted the TKW chat like I will I will move to Atlanta like that that would be an easy move for me. That's even better fit than Milwaukee, just because he would definitely have the paint to himself initially, unless they draft someone else that's 
Right, and j- just because of, yeah, like, I think, like I said, our last pod, like, they've, like, strictly been, obviously, drafting for offense, so, like, to add a piece like that, which is still offensively capable down low, like, why not go get a big guy that's just going to get you boards? I think that could definitely help a need that they have. I feel like he's, un- like, he's still developing, like, I feel like what we saw at Washington was just, I guess, the tip of the iceberg. He's, yeah, like, and he's young for his grade, I'm pretty sure. Like, I think he turned 18 during the school year, if I'm not really? mistaken. Or, like, right before it or something. Hold on, I'm going to look this yeah. up. Yeah, because he's, he's pretty built for yeah. an 18-year-old, as if he's... That'd be insane. Um, maybe not. Hold on. He will... Oh no, I was wrong. He will turn nineteen. Yeah, nineteen in May. So okay, but that's still young though. Right. So still, yeah. Um. So yeah, we'll we will see, man. Oh. Yeah, I'm seeing. I just need basketball in my life. Right. I've been like the Knicks throwbacks have been holding me down, but (laughs) I still need a little more. I'm seeing Isaiah draft mock to uh, Miami in the Tankathon one. That'd be pretty interesting. Him and Bam would be crazy. I feel like that's a better positional fit because like show know how to use it more. Yeah, for sure. And he I think could thrive in that whole like Miami culture type that deal that people are always wondering if a guy can actually go in there and perform. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's I think Spolstra also get him to shoot more. So that's that's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. But um this week I dropped the latest edition of the TKW draft board. It's focused more on the lottery. Last edition was more on like the Clippers pick. So I just wanted to run through the board essentially. And we covered Tyrese Halliburton and Anthony Edwards who are four and five respectively. We talked about them two weeks in a row. So if anyone has any thoughts on either guy, speak now. And if not, let's keep it moving. Let's keep it rolling. Okay, so Killian Hayes. I wanted to start here because I feel... He's hiding in plain sight right now. He's still mocked in the four to six range. Combo guard. Plays like a little D-Lo. Sometimes looks like Harden sometimes. With the, he has a nice step back that reminds me of Harden. He only played 10 games for Germany this season. Probably cut short due to COVID-19. But I still think he's the top option in this draft. Have you guys been able to watch anything on Killian or have any thoughts on him first? Yeah, I've watched a bit. Oh, you can go ahead, Jess. No, it's all you. I was just going to say it's all you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've watched a bit. There's some interesting comparisons out there. You know, I I like Ja as a comparison, honestly. Just with play style at the very least. Yeah, that's not he's, bad. He's one, of those, he's, he's one of those guys that does kind of just does everything at hundred speed. Yeah, I he's a. I feel like he's kind of like how Lamelo was, where he came up playing older people. Uh, he in over the summers when he was growing up, he would play pick up against older guys, and now he's playing in well, he was playing in the German league, which is very physical, similar to what Luca went through uh, when he was at Real Madrid, where he's banging with guys older than him. So I feel like he's going to be able to translate 
anything he does in the German league from the jump. And obviously the sample size is small, but 90% from the line. He was hitting that step back. He looks like he knows how to make the reads. Ja, I do see with the passing, but shooting-wise, I see Russell, I see Harden. And it's not just because he's a lefty. It's the footwork, the release. Everything about his game just looks polished to me, especially compared to the other guys in this class where we don't really know what we're getting. It's kind of a mixed bag of just can this guy develop this part of his game. So, yeah, I kind of like that security. Um, anything else on that, Nick, or – Uh, no, I think I, I agree. It is funny as, as you say, it, and I'm just sitting here thinking like just how, how far the, the pendulum has kind of swung the other way of, you know, because of Luca and even Porzingis, the, the recent successful Euro lottery picks of now, if you look at a guy like, like Killian or, or Denny, instead of just being like, well, we don't really know what they can do. The narrative has kind of moved a little bit to like, well, this guy's played against grown men. Right. And I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm high on both of those guys. Those are to me the those are my one and two on my board personally. Okay. Yeah, I think, and I feel like that's always been an underrated part. I remember, I guess, like that Jan Vesely draft kind of ruined European rep for like a brief moment. But most of these guys are going pro young. It's kind of like soccer where you're kind of turning pro at like 16 years old, so you're naturally facing just getting reps against bigger guys. It has to come in handy. I don't know why people underplayed it for a little bit. But especially in this draft, there's no college guy that sticks out. So any European guy that shows any type of promise, I feel, even beyond Danny, Killian, even like Killian Tilly, who's in the second round, I could look on him more favorably than, I don't know, let's say Luca Garza, for example, who was killing it in college, just because I feel like Killian has more to his game. And I feel like they were like just developed to play basketball from day one, you know? Well, the thing I, I really like about Killian Hayes is just he's, he's a super high IQ player. Yep. And I'm, I'm going to say, you know, I'll talk more about Denny in a, in a little while, but I feel similarly about both of them, at least defensively, where if you, if you watch their tape and you watch how they, they kind of move defensively, very smart, high IQ guys that play team defense and and help you know in smart ways, and it's a little different stylistically in in Euroball, but that IQ is there, and to me that that is a huge plus to some of the guys that we see in college ball. That you know you wonder how their their instincts and and defense is going to translate. Yeah, and. The only real holes to his game right now, appear to me at least, are his foul rate and his turnovers. He averages 3.3 turnovers for his German team. If he just cuts down on that, nothing else really sticks out as poor shooting. He's shooting 39% from three. And if anybody gets the chance, watch. He sat down with ESPN's Mike Schmitz, and it's pretty much that film break room breakdown and I have it for all the top prospects, so I would watch that if you want. Just It's a good background to the brain part of their game instead of the physical stuff. But yeah, Killian was making really good reads off the pick and roll, making skip passes. And the main thing he was actually struggling with was learning to beat his guy one-on-one. And towards the end of the year, once he started playing with Isaiah Briscoe, 
he started to figure out where his shot was, when to pass, who to pass to. So I do think as a passer, he's below Lamella, who we'll talk about coming up like now. But he is, I still think he's one of the better passers, especially in the top, top five. Yeah, I, he's got some incredible vision. Yeah, it's it's really good. I feel and like he can play two. The combo guard the, thing is huge for me. Yeah, I think this is a huge plus. I think, and part of that, I think, is just the maturity with the turnovers because he, he, you know, his passing and vision is, is really high, but I just think he forces some things. Yeah, and they actually, talk, that's funny. They That's and, what they were talking about where he forced, there was one play where he forced the pass off a of pick and roll when he could have just taken the guy, but he wasn't good with his left yet. So it's just like small things. R.J. Barrett dealt with that left-hand issue now in his rookie year. So it's, I guess it's, it's if that's his only problem, that's a good problem. But yeah, I do think he still has still room to grow, obviously. But compared to the rest of the class and his availability, because Lamelo, I feel like Lamelo is going to go within the top three. He should. Killian could go anywhere from one to seven, honestly. Yeah, Killian's interesting because he he has rose up the ranks quite a bit. If you look at some of the earlier stuff that had him in like the fifteen range, some of the mocks a few months back, and he he's kind of jumped up and. He's a guy that, and you know, we don't really know how how the draft process is gonna gonna go with everything impending. But he is someone that I've kind of predicted going forward that could really rise up the ranks and end up being a a top three, top five guy without surprising me at all. Going one or two, I think that's just a mix of the not I wouldn't say poor college play because college basketball was still entertaining this year, but in terms of NBA draft specific. It was just a good mix of no college guys standing out, and then Killian was just showed some sort of promise, and then he started to creep up, and that's how I got put onto him. Because initially I was all in on Anthony Edwards, you know, typical college like college. We're always naturally going to stick to the college guys, and I didn't really watch a lot of Denny, but he, I he did have my attention. And then Killian came out of nowhere. I saw his name on a mock. I was like, "Who's that?" And I googled him, and then went on a YouTube rat hole and rabbit hole rather and here i am i'm in love (laughs) but uh yeah so let's move on to number two everyone knows his name Lamelo ball he played for the nbl this year one nbl nbl rookie of the year and i feel like he is the consensus pick if you were to poll knicks fans he would probably win for who they want to take if they get the top pick uh jess what did you think about LaMelo going to the Knicks? Was that something you're interested in, or do you think it's doomed to fail? Um, I think if you had asked me a year ago, I would have been more concerned about it. But after seeing how he performed and how he dealt with, you know, going over into to the NBL once it got announced, uh, I, th- I think, was it that he would have had to sit out a year before playing, or was he completely ineligible to play college? He, regardless, he decided to go to Australia, which um, I think Joe's brought up before, and but I don't know if we've really talked a lot about it, but um, I watched a decent amount of, of NBL, um, especially this year. I think they kind of latched on to that new rising stars program they have with LaMelo with, um, Hampton. 
Oh, I'm blanking on his name. Hampton. Yeah, RJ Hampton. Um, They were showing a ton of games on Facebook, actually. So if it just so happened I was awake at two, three, four in the morning, I like made myself stay awake and, and watch some of those. And then they also have them on replay. Um, and I think, you know, I still have a lot of concern about his shooting ability, but overall I would, I'd be okay with the Knicks taking him uh, if it was a yes or no type of question, you know? That's uh, I feel like he's definitely the blockbuster move. Just for a rundown of his numbers, he played 12 games, 30 minutes a game, 17 points per game, 6.8 assists, 1.6 steals, five, uh, 7.6 rebounds. So he's like a triple uh, triple double threat most nights when he's when he's right. Problem mm-hmm. is shooting 25% from three. 37.5% from the floor. We know what we're going to get shot selection wise. It's going to be wild. It's going to be entertaining at some times, but other times it's going to be maddening. If I had to assign like kind of like the pain threshold, I would prepare myself for like the J.R. Smith era again, where there were some nights where you absolutely loved him and he was your favorite player. And then there's other nights where you want to wring his neck. And LaMelo is going to have those nights where he's gets a rebound. Somebody might be open but he's going to pull up from like 40 and sometimes he's going to airball those. So it's just a matter of if we can deal with that. I loved him. I remember at the end of last year, I kind of felt embarrassed saying I liked him. Now I feel smart for it, but <laughs> I think he would mesh really well. I think he, him, I think if they do take him, you keep Frank for sure, because that's their defense insurance because LaMelo is probably the worst defender out of, probably the top three or four guys in this class. So you got to pair him up with Frank and RJ as well, because RJ is a pretty good defender compared to what we thought he would be. So they have the infrastructure to have mellow. So I feel like this is a good time. And maybe this is the one because Lamar Lavar rather. He's done a good job at predicting the future. He got Lonzo to LA and now he's saying LaMelo to New York. So I'm off. Yeah. Did yeah, he, he said. That? Well, he didn't say Lamelo is going to go to New York. He says that's where he would fit best. So, I, I'm all here. For, I'm gotcha. here for it. Uh, Nick, how you feel on Lamelo to New York? You know, it's interesting. I've been I've been high on Lamelo for a while. I remember I, I saw that team with him in his freshman year, and I saw them in person with him and Lonzo and and Leangelo, and. His ability to score on, you know, seniors in high school when he was 14 was remarkable then. You know, he's had a weird kind of narrative career because he had the the 70-something point game where, you know, it just looked like a joke and got a ton of hate for that. The kid can really score. And I think he has the highest ceiling, especially of the three guys we're talking about. I think he by far has the, the highest superstar potential. But I think there are some flaws in his game that you know are real holes that give him a lower floor than than either Denny or Killian. I just I think his defense, his shot selection. I think there are questions there of how that translates. I I like it. I think it's you know I I see both sides, but I still I still think it's worth it. I mean, the Knicks obviously need need. I think they need to take some swings. I think that's the kind of upside you yeah, can he would, take a risk on. 
No, go ahead. You got it. I also wish he played. Oh, go ahead, Mike. I just I wish he played for a different team in Australia because I would equate it to like Lamelo being on that Hawks team was kind of like Anthony Edwards being on Georgia, I guess. If I had to equate it to something where like they were one of the worst teams in the NBL and which was his not best... my future bet. What? Which was not great for my future bet I placed on them. Uh, oh, ouch. Come on. I would have told you to take the Wildcats. See, this is why people got to come to me. Uh, but uh but no, um I just I wish he had because pl- oh what I was saying was his I think his next best teammate got hurt like five or six games in the season also so it was just I wish he had played with a better team just to see how that could have potentially elevated his game and how he elevated other people's games when they were even better um, but yeah definitely you know a uh, classic. Like Nick was saying, classic. Owing, I didn't know that he played for one dude. of the worst teams in the NBL. That kind of makes it more impressive, the stat line, and definitely explains the near 17 shots a game. Talent-wise, talent yeah, talent-wise, definitely one of the Wow, yeah, that's surprising. I think that's mixed, that kind of eases my concerns, oddly enough. The appeal to me is just obvious. It's There's not really a reason to watch Nick games. Right now, like there, I mean, I love Mitchell Robinson, I love RJ, but there's just no one to say like, "Yo, I gotta tune in to watch so and so go off." Like they just none of them play like that. Unfortunately, Mitchell kind of does, but he's a center, so he can't really put on a show show. And I'm talking about like Trey Young in Atlanta, Luca for Dallas. You know, guys that just like are aesthetically pleasing as well as productive. And I feel like Lamelo fits that bill more so than Killian. I, Nick, you kind of changed my mind while you were speaking. Because before I would have said Killian had the highest ceiling, but Lamelo's got the size, and I feel like he does everything solid. Like he's a triple, like I said, he's a triple double threat when he's right, and I feel like that's not something we're seeing with anyone else in this class. I misspoke slightly. Not only were they one of the worst teams in the league, they were the worst team in the league at five and twenty-three. So, take that for what you will. Again, okay. I equate it to Anthony Edwards going to play for Georgia. Well, and, and how, how many games yeah, when did Lamelo sit? He got hurt at some point, right? And then he, he's been sitting for a while. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. So, uh, of those games he played, hold on. I will. You guys can keep talking. I'll look it up. See what this. But yeah, back to what you said, Nick, where he was, where you said you saw him in person. That's that's pretty interesting. So, did he stick out from as a freshman, or was it more of like oh, I'm watching Lonzo and he caught your eye? No, I remember. You know, it was a pretty loaded field of high school basketball. I saw him in, and he had. I don't think he had a great game. The game I saw him in person, but the day before he had had like twenty. 20 something, you know, again, as a, as a 14 year old and you're, you're looking at that with like, he's playing against a top 10 team in in high school basketball and he's able to get his own shot. And to me that that's where it was the most impressive fact. And he's also, 
you know, the same kind of player he's, he was then, you know, he's going to pull 30 footers and he's 14. That's not something you see typically in high school basketball. I feel like every time we saw him, like his Lonzo's been popular for what is it, like two, three years now, at least. Anyway, he, anytime we saw Lonzo, I feel like LaMelo had a basketball in his hand. So safe to say he's a basketball junkie. He's a workaholic. That's the kind of people like the Knicks seem to be targeting. And you look at guys like Knox and even like Knox is a hard worker. They've been, the Knicks have been hammering that recently more than ever. And you got Mitch also another gym rat. So you get a bunch of those guys that just like playing ball. I feel like building chemistry is that much easier. So that's another big plus with him. I'm sure the other prospects love ball to an extent, but LaMelo, like I said, LaMelo is just, he's always playing ball or we always see him with a basketball in his hand. So, uh, yeah. So it's interesting. And also if, you, if you look at the narrative side, I mean, what, what do we, what difference is there as of LaMelo as a prospect of his last name is Jones, right? We, you just said it, we've been seeing him for the last five years where his family's been in the, the spotlight, his dad, his brother, and to an extent, you know, he's always been there with him. So there's so many, you know, sort of stigmas on the ball family. It definitely is, changes the, the narrative a little bit. Funny, when I wrote the draft board this time, I was like, a year ago, this was a joke. It's like, ah, the Knicks drafted the mellow. What idiots. Now, people, Knicks fans are probably begging. It's like, please, let's get them. So it's interesting how much a year changed. Um, In the 12 games he played, they were 3-9. and Um, I know one of those wins, he didn't have the greatest game, but in the two other ones, in a win versus uh, Carnes or Cairns, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but it was um, he had 32 points, 11 rebounds, and 13 assists. He let that was all team leading in all three categories. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> uh, so, hey, that's not bad. I feel like better team. Uh, either way, he's fun. Um, so to wrap up, Nick, I'm gonna give the floor to you because you've been the number one Denny guy for a while. You're the reason I took a closer look. So Denny Abdija from Israel. He is he surged up the board. He's number three. I think he's the best wing. I think I would take him over Edwards. Um, just a straight reaction before I lead into Nick, who'll give you more in depth. He kind of reminds me of Danilo Gallinari in the sense that I don't think he's going to become a superstar, but a very productive starter or at least rotation player. Play surprisingly good defense, solid shot. And Nick, I kind of want to start off with, do you know why he shoots so poorly from the line? 52% from the line and three, where he's shooting, I believe, low 30s or maybe even high 20s this is his shot looks good yeah the number that that was around for a while was around i think he was shooting 28 percent from three which is concerning and to me that's probably the biggest reason that he has jumped up if you if you look at boards in in january even through like february you know he was in that kind of mid-tier you know mid top 10 tier where the three to five three to six that kind of range when he's really started jumping up is because he, he started really shooting the ball well, pretty consistently in both international and, and Euroleague play. 
So that's when he really started to kind of jump up into this sort of top three-ish range that he's in on, on most boards now. It's it's an interesting question because mechanically he looks sound. That's what I was so confused by. You know, I one of the, the things on him is is kind of on his legs as far as shooting because his release looks nice. But I think there's some, some questions on you know, his lower body mechanics. To me, that would be the, the critique. And, and I think what you said is how a lot of people feel, which is kind of the opposite of what I said on, on LaMelo, where when you look at Denny, everything that he has translates to starter, right? There aren't a lot of huge flaws that, you know, make him seem like a, a risk. I don't know how high his ceiling is. But I think that's the, you know, the the positive is is kind of what you were saying. He's a very complete player. The shooting is really the the only critique. And again, to me, I I think he'll be able to prove to be a consistent shooter at the NBA level. I think he's he's been the last two months he's been kind of if if that's a it's a small sample size, but if that can be a realistic kind of, if those numbers translate, I, I think, you know, he, could he be a, a 35% three-point shooter or something a little, get a little higher? Like, I think that's where he's going to be at. I don't see him as a 25% three-shooter. It's also, you know, when you look at him, and when I really started following him was in uh, the U18 Euro Cup with Israel. And that's where he is the the primary kind of playmaker. And if you watch that compared to his games in, with Tel Aviv, where he doesn't get that sort of, you know, the ball is not in his hands to as much, right? He he works more cutting, that sort of thing. It's I think he does have a little more than, than what you see. That's just one of those things that when you talk about, you know, being 17, when you're starting playing pro at, you know, 15, 16, it, it's a, it kind of changes the the caliber of, of player you're playing against at a younger age. So to me, if I'm selling somebody on Denny, the, the size and athleticism is there. He's a very smart player on both sides of the ball, and he is a fantastic passer. So that's really the selling point to me. If he's your your tertiary, your second playmaker on a team, you know, he's gonna cut well, he's gonna move without the ball, and then he's a, a really good passer in transition and in pick and roll situations, you know, as the, on either side of the pick and roll. I like his fit with RJ. I think that would be a nice fit. My initial pushback on him, which was kind of stupid in retrospect was I feel like RJ has to play the three eventually and Denny would block that. But the more I watched and the more I realized you kind of just need five good guys and Denny is a good guy. Like the tape I saw of him, I was surprised that he was really covering his guy the full there was one play where he's picking this guy up at half court and he's tracking him all the way to the rim and forced a bad shot. And that was impressive to me and yeah, he's a really that's good what I was about shot to say. He ended the too. possession, one of the, another possession, 
with a SWAT, I was like, oh, I, where it caught me off guard because it looked like he got beat. And he just met him at the top. I was like, oh, okay, like this kid's tough. And Knicks haven't really had a good wing defender in a very long time. So it would be interesting to see him, RJ, Mitch, and Frank on the floor together. That would be a nice core of defensive core. Well, and that's why I, that's why I like the fit because I think you know, kind of conversely to what you were originally saying is you know if you put him and RJ on the court together, those are both guys that are versatile and can do things. You know, on both sides of the ball, they can match up with multiple positions. Specifically defensively, like you said, you know, a Frank, RJ, Denny backcourt, whatever you want to call it. I mean, that's incredibly switchable. That's a, a really strong, especially, at, you know, all three guys can put up good numbers, steals, and blocks. I think that's the kind of guy you want defensively next to RJ. 100%. And the only negative I see to him is he might not be the sexy pick. He's kind of like in the Halliburton class where people may want the flash over the actual substance because Anthony Edwards is still being mocked over him. I, I don't understand why the more I watch of Denny, I don't, I really don't understand why. Yeah. I, I don't really understand it either, personally. I, I think Denny's a far more complete prospect. So I think if you're, if you're looking at a wing of who will be a more, you know, NBA ready. And again, I guess the, the knock on, right. on Denny I think, would like be I how said, high I think it's, it settles somewhere where Gallinari's is, where good starter, rotation player on a very good team. Start on a mid to good team. Yeah, I think that's the that's the pretty typical mock for him right now. Or you know, and in a draft like this, where I think there's a lot of question marks, Denny to me, the reason why he's number one for me is because he's as much as a sure. That thing was as my exact reasoning draft. for having Hayes. Number one, I think there's limited holes in his game, and the same kind of goes for Denny because the more I watch, there's not much there. And to the point of his bad shooting, I don't know how true this is. I can't remember the person on Twitter who said this, but the comments underneath validated it. That's why I actually gave it credence. Was apparently, I think it's either for Tel Aviv. I think it's for Tel Aviv. He got the ball a lot at the end of the shot clock and was asked to make something out of nothing. So that contributed to poor shooting. The only concern for me is the free throws, not so much the percentage because he shot 18 total free throws in 26 games. That's a little weird, but if that means he's going to be better off the ball and allow RJ to hold on to the ball, I think that makes him even more of a fit within this current group. Yeah, I, I agree. Again, the, the shooting is really the, the only concern that, that I think if you, if you watch him play, you don't really, he passes the eye test. Well, I think I would, I would put it that way where he doesn't, he's a very smart player. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. he, 
his turnover numbers are really low. And if you watch him play, there's there's not any really noticeable holes in his game. And that's something I, I've noticed with him over time is like he will make plays that stand out because he does have those sort of moments. And you know, I I love his passing, especially in transition. That's one probably one I think one of the best skills anyone has of event in this class is his ability to to push and, and make plays in transition. And you, you really notice those things and you don't really notice any negatives. Whereas if you're watching LaMelo, you will question some of the things with the shot selection or defensively, there's, there's a lot of gaps that you, that you see when you watch him. And I, I think that's what m- makes Denny the number one prospect to me is he doesn't have those sort of flaws. That's the full theme of this year's draft. There's so much randomness taking a guy with the highest floor may be better than taking the guy with the highest ceiling, which isn't usually the case. You're usually trying to get the highest bang for your, the best bang for your buck, especially at the very top of the lottery. But this year may be different. We might see LaMelo fall just because teams are scared away from LaVar and LaMelo's shot selection and inefficiency. While others are, well, they're attracted to someone like Denny who does everything under the radar and can contribute to winning basketball just as much as any of the top guys. And I feel like that's a consistent theme we're going to continue to see, at least for this year, especially given how random this whole year has been overall. So I guess moving forward, I think that's what we're going to start looking towards, but yeah, I think that's, that's it for this week. Anything else you guys wanted to add on the top end of the draft? I just want to ask, I know my opinion of these three, and I would like to, to get the two of yours. These three guys, so LaMelo, Denny, and, and Killian, what is your ranking of those three? Hmm. Well, before I make that decision, I do – well, just one thing I wanted to point out about Denny. Um is so I was like trying to prepare for the pod so like going you know bringing up pulling up everyone's stats and stuff and I was pulling up Denny's stats and I was on I think like basketball reference and I was like these stats look atrocious like what's going on and I realized it was only the strictly EuroLeague games and for those who don't know like a lot of teams in Europe like they'll play they have a EuroLeague schedule but then they also have just like their general like usually it's just within their own country league right so he's in the euro league and the ibsl and uh on real gm they have it split out by league and it's kind of staggering like the difference in the two sets of stats and i so and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing right like usually euro league is where like the better competition is i would say um and it's just it's interesting to see that difference um in stats i don't know if either of you not i was going off stats and i know he did have a really good under 20 tournament last year so like yeah so like yeah. both so it's it's I mean, it's for yeah, Tel it's like Aviv, soccer, both sets of stats. It's just, tech, it's kind of like they played two seasons in one. So, like, for, ex- 
Yeah, so for example, like EuroLeague, they played 26 games. IBSL, they played in 21 games. Um, so he had less IBSL games, but like he only made 13 threes okay. in EuroLeague. He made 27 in the BSL. And let's see here. From three, he was 27, almost 28% in the EuroLeague. And then in BSL, he was 37, almost 38%. Right. Can you, um, not to put you on the spot, it's just you know interesting his to per see game the differences there. In the EuroLeague, he averaged just under 15. Did he yeah. play more for the ISBL? Yeah. Uh, is this, this is totals. I got to find per game. Like, so... For right. instance, EuroLeague, he had 371 yeah, so more sample total size. And that's kind of a, another BSL, problem we've had with 558. The international guys. Oh, here we go. 14, 14.3 versus 26.6. Yeah, see, so like, that's the difference right there. So that's a better sample size. That's another problem we've kind of been running into where the European guys – they haven't been playing that. They their season got cut short. So Killian played ten games for his German team. Denny actually played a good amount, and we just said Lamelo played twelve or thirteen. So the sample sizes are pretty small. I feel like Denny kind of mm-hmm. that kind of cements him as a top three guy in my mind. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that he has forty games under his belt. And to me, you know, thinking about those numbers that Jess was just giving us, that's kind of the opposite of of the Lamelo sort of stuff, right? Lamelo we talked about is on one of the worst teams, the NBL. Tel Aviv is one of the best teams in, in EuroLeague. They have one of the five best records in, in the league. And his not only are his minutes gonna gonna change with that, but also then his role, right? Against higher competition sure. in, in games that hold a little more weight and and that sort of thing. It's just a different sort of structure. As opposed to you know Lamelo, who again is on a on a worse team that they're just kind of saying go ahead and go out there. Yeah. Attract. That's an attractive piece of Denny's appeal. So Nick, for your question, is it our top three just in general, or our top three for the Knicks? Because I think that answer could change. Yeah, that's yes, very very good. Both? Oh, you're just asking a lot now. Now you're just being needy. <laughs> um, okay, for the Knicks... I think I want to go... Gut reaction is... Lamelo, Denny, Killian. Um... For the Knicks, um, Killian, Lamelo, Danny. I think that that's still my top three. Um, yeah, Jess, you want to give your full league first? Um, so overall, overall hmm. I think I'll flip Danny and Lamelo. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I think that's more of just like who I'd rather like watch. I don't know. 
but I do really like watching Killian. I don't know, man. This will change next week when you ask me. I won't even remember. <laughs> I won't even remember my answer next week. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think Killian's still number one for me overall. But after that, I have Denny at two, Lamelo three, and then um, the kid from UFC, Okongwu. I'm gonna cheat. He's number four. Like he's really good. I feel like if the Knicks just didn't have Mitch, I would be all in on getting him after Lamelo's off the board or Lamelo, Killian, or Denny are off the board. Yeah, he he is five for me. Halliburton is four. I'm solid, man. That's that's why for the Knicks at four. Well, the fourth option rather. I also just really like passing. And when you look at to watch. the the four guys on on my board there with Lamelo, Denny, Killian, and Halliburton, those are all guys that can just pass the ball. And I, to me, that's what I want next to to RJ, somebody that can can play make and on and off ball. Yeah, hundred percent. Because right now he's kind of face RJ. That is, he's kind of facing the same spacing issues he had at Duke. So at least if they can't address the shooting yet, I feel like last year was kind of bad luck, or this year still was kind of bad luck where his shooters weren't shooting that well. Like Wayne Ellington shooting career worst, Kevin Knox doing whatever the hell Kevin Knox is doing, and just the team not playing Alonzo Trier enough or Iggy's Brezdinkis. If you're not going to improve the shooting that much next year, at least give him a playmaker. He hasn't had that. He didn't have that at Duke. Because Zion yeah. was kind of just a freak that just did everything. And Cam was more the defender. There, was, there wasn't there was really like a maestro like Lamelo or a compatible scoring threat like Killian or just a solid guy like Denny. I think, I think I, I'm definitely down like just like going with the smart passer for this top pick. But if – and. If that does happen, I think with that second first round pick, just give me the best shooter available. I don't care who it is. I just I need some shooting on the Knicks for the love of God, please. And we're definitely gonna get. get... No, I think Go we're ahead. definitely gonna get into that, and we're gonna have a TKW's Eugene Rappe to talk about one player in particular that I think fits that bill, and we've mentioned him on the pod, Sadiq Bay. So someone like that to compliment whoever we take at like in the top five or six. I think that's key. Yeah, I mean, that's my, my ideal draft for the Knicks is, you know, you don't want to read. I don't want them to reach on, on a guy that is just a shooter in the, in the top five, 10, but you get that guy, you know, if you get bad with the Clippers pick and then you get a guy like, like either Denny or Killian who can, can take the load off RJ as a playmaker. I think I think that's the best fit for this team. Yeah. So we will see as we move on throughout the weeks. We will try and nail down who exactly the Knicks should pick. I mean, Killian's been number one for the last two time two editions that were focused on the lottery, but that could change. Lamella has a serious argument. Denny has a serious argument. A lot could change and. Once we find out where the Knicks are actually picking, that'll change it even more. So moving forward, that's what we're going to do. Um, anything to plug? Nick, do you have anything coming out soon that we should be on the lookout for? 
Yeah, actually, we had an article on the Nick Wall on, I believe it's going to get released to the Friday or Saturday, and it'll be, it's talking about the biggest Knicks fans in fiction, so the biggest Knicks fans in TV and movies. Oh, yeah, I'm def- definitely look out for that, hopefully Friday, so it's something to read over the weekend as well. Uh, yeah, make sure you check out the Knicks Wall for that piece, and in the meantime, draft board's up there, Quentin Haynes put up a kind of a sad thing because we don't have March Madden this year, but every year we used to do what current Knicks did in college during their March Madness. So it's a little sadder this year, but still check it out. It's really good. And Eli wrapped up his March sad Knicks where he recapped every bad Knicks team of all time. And you got to read it to find out who won. I'll just give you a clue. It's recent. Uh, but yeah, make sure you check that out. Uh, if you didn't listen to the last week's edition of the Knicks Wall podcast, which is returning soon, we're just taking a brief break while we mourn the loss of Anthony Corbo, who is moving on to greener pastures. Make sure you check out his last episode from last week. Make sure you're following Nick and Jess on Twitter. Jess, you have anything to plug? It could be Knicks Wall related or just about anything. Um... Nope, I'm just chilling, man. Just follow me on Twitter. Come say hi. Kentucky fans, make sure you flutter comments. <laughs> I have to do it every episode. Stop it. Oh, I hate you so much. <laughs> I should probably just stop nope. reacting, and then maybe you'll stop doing Absolutely it. Not. But it's not going to happen. It's even more so that we didn't get to watch <laughs> Kentucky in the draft. But we will be back next week. Joseph Nardone, who did not join us this week. We'll be back, so that's something to look forward to, and hopefully Nick and Jess are here to join me. So yeah, make sure you're following the Knicks Wall at the Knicks Wall doc, at the Knicks Wall on Twitter. Visit the Knicks Follow Blue Wire. Follow TKW Podcast. Follow Jess. Follow Nick. Follow Joe. Yeah. So until next time, guys.